Romans chapter 1, and um, I'll finish our study there. I, I, I can't say as you're finding it. We, we, uh, Jeff, I guess we, people are playing basketball tonight, and that, that whole schedule is, is the same. Um, I want you to follow as I read. Um, I want to begin reading. Uh, gosh, I guess I'll have to start reading in verse 18, but it's rather lengthy, so we're going to try to cover this whole thing, uh, what's left of it tonight. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving death, not only do they not only do they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Uh, I subconsciously chose, ladies and gentlemen, to really avoid uh, verses twenty eight and all that list of vileness. It, it it does no good, I don't think, to tell you what disobedience to parents means. I think you know what that means. So I mean I whereas we could spend going uh, some time going word to word, I, I don't think that would be profitable for you. What I wanted you to do is get the, uh, the message in all of its fullness. We started uh, last Wednesday on this passage saying that Paul's text is really verse 18. Uh, verses 19 through 32 are, is an exposition uh, of verse 18. I said to you last week also that what we would do in these two weeks is answer the question, what happens to the heathen who never hear the gospel? And I hope you've already gotten that answer. The answer is, basic, or not basically, the answer is that um, there is no such thing as the poor innocent native in Africa. All men have had enough knowledge to improve their, their, their uh, spiritual lot. They chose to take that knowledge and suppress it in unrighteousness. Where did they get that knowledge? That knowledge was found in creation. It was found in conscience. And um, such that now they uh, are rendered without excuse. Um, that is a key clause, so that they are without excuse. No man will ever be able to stand before God and say, boy, if you'd have only told me, then I, I, I would have done better. So um, uh, all I'm suggesting is if I could summarize. Remember, uh, the way I asked the question last week was, what is God angry about? Why is his wrath being revealed? 
and we made some distinctions about the words ungodliness and righteousness. But basically, ladies and gentlemen, what God is angry about is that what he has revealed about himself, there has been a deliberate suppressing of truth, truth made available by God in, in, in uh, nature and in conscience, and that truth has been deliberately suppressed. And consequently, it renders men, all men, every man, everywhere, without excuse. Now, that is to answer the question of um, what happens to the poor innocent native in Africa. He, is, he will stand before God and um, answer for why he suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Now, and now we move forward. That's kind of what we talked about last week. We move forward. What is it that causes men? And by the way, guys, uh, in this, this, this closing passage, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit um, because there's a lot of questions that I think will help us work our way through the whole text. So just kind of bear with me. We're not going to go, okay, the next word, the next word. The next, it, it, we'll, we'll kind of jump around a bit. But um, what is it that causes men to suppress the truth and unrighteousness? There is a hint. There's not much of a, uh, a statement, but there is one found in verse 22 where the Apostle Paul says, professing to be wise, they became fools. That's the only thing that's really mentioned in terms of uh, what could be considered their motive for doing what they've done. But ladies and gentlemen, I think you know that C.S. Lewis calls pride the queen of all sins. And here you find that being mentioned and descriptive of them, of these men, that professing to be wise. And the result of their pride is that their foolish heart, this is mentioned in verse 21, um, they're, they're, they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, they became fools. You, you can put all three of those things together. Being prompted by their pride, they take truth and suppress it in unrighteousness, and the result of that is they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, they became fools. That is the result, ladies and gentlemen. That is the result of men suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Instead of, instead of accepting the revelation that was available to them, which was there, they, they began to substitute their own ideas. They become professors. They become philosophers. And they conclude in utter futility. Um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I'm going to say this a couple of times tonight, but nowhere is there a better commentary on Romans 1, verses 18 and following, than the culture in which we live. Um, what do people believe today? They believe in um, uh, transplanetary migration. They believe in um, whirling and pressing your belly to the center of the earth. They believe in astrology and the biggest bunch of hocus pocus. I want to read you a quote that comes from probably the most famous evolutionist that ever existed, Julian Huxley. I, I want you to hear what he said. It's just a sentence. It's all an accident, all a matter of chance. No reason, no end, 
no purpose at all. That's what they believe. Because, ladies and gentlemen, once you uh, reject the, the revelation of God that is available to all men, your foolish heart will be darkened. You'll become futile, futile in your thoughts. You become a fool. You know, one of my favorite stories <clears throat> um, that I love to illustrate what it is that men are doing today um, is, uh, is a story that, I, that was first told by Ravi Zacharias. And um, he tells of visiting the, the campus of Ohio State University where there was uh, an opening of a, of a performing arts center. It was called the Wexner Center for Performing Arts. And um, it Newsweek uh, hailed this building as America's first deconstructionist building. Um, on the outside, it, you, you, when, you, when you walk towards the building, it has got white scaffolding all around it. And then there's these red turrets that just kind of spring up around the building. And then uh, also just kind of dotted in front are these pods of Colorado grass. And then you walk in and you find that there are pillars that hang from the ceiling that don't go all the way to the floor. And staircases that, that wind but go to no place. They're not connected to anything. And then the, there is a um, surfaces that are angled in such a way as to create a sense of vertigo. Um, the architect, there's a pamphlet that has um, um, been produced about this building. The architect um, designed the building to reflect, says he, it, it's designed to reflect life itself the senseless and the incoherent, and the capriciousness of the rules that organize the built world. That's what the building was, was designed to communicate. And Robbie says when he walked into it for the first time, and they were telling him all these things about what it's supposed to be communicating, he said, I had one question. Did they do the same with the foundation? Do you get that point? Nobody would dream of building a building on a foundation that was not engineered and constructed after law, after known black and white physical law. And then, then they build stairwells that go nowhere because their foolish hearts are darkened. They become futile in their thinking. Um, ladies and gentlemen, do you know the name Frederick Nietzsche? Frederick Nietzsche was the, really the father of the God is dead. I mean, the, the one that uh, erupted on the campus of Emory University, Emory Seminary in Atlanta by uh, uh, Joseph Altizer. He's really a disciple of Frederick Nietzsche's. Do you know who, who uh, was one of Frederick Nietzsche's students? Adolf Hitler, not officially. But one of Adolf Hitler's stated mentors was Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche spent the last 11 years of his life insane. Of course he did. Because his, futilish, his, futile, his, his thoughts became futile, drove him crazy. I want you to see a text with me while we're here. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 19. I want to read you something. 
Isaiah chapter 19. This is a, a proclamation against Egypt by Isaiah. And I can't read the, holy, the whole thing. But look with me at verse 11. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools. Pharaoh's wise counselors give foolish counsel. How do you say to Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of ancient kings? Where are they? Where are your wise men? Let them tell, let them tell you now. And let them know what the Lord of hosts has purposed against Egypt. The princes of Zoan have become fools. The princes of Noph are deceived. They, are all, and they have also deluded Egypt. Those who are the mainstay of its tribe. Now here, here's the text. The Lord has mingled a perverse spirit in her midst. And they have caused Egypt to err in all her work. As a drunken man staggers in his vomit. Do you know why there are fools? Do you know why they stagger in their vomit? Because once men decide to take what's revealed about God and suppress that truth and unrighteousness, I'm convinced that the Lord mingles a perverse spirit in their midst. I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, what I think you see in Western culture is that same thing. The result of a culture saying, we want nothing whatsoever to do with this God. And my friends, what will be the result of that is they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were dark and professing to be wise, they became fools. And that is what I think you see going on all around you. Psalm 104 is a, is a wonderful commentary on verses 20 and 21, if you ever want to take a look at it. Um, but Psalm 104 states pretty clearly that all creation manifests the glory of God by obeying the laws of nature woven into those creations of God, there is only one exception. Man. Man failing to carry out and obey the laws of his design. Back at verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. Um, all of this, ladies and gentlemen, once again, all of this is the result of suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. The end result is that they become fools. No more wisdom. And and what of all what is all of that led to? Well, look at verse 23 with me. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an, Im, in, an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Um, because they're unwilling to worship the real God. They make their own gods. It's interesting how Paul describes some of them. They're creeping things. And having made them, they proceed to worship them. You might remember in our, um, in our missions conference back in October, where Tom Cannon stood up and he said he'd come from Australia. And you remember the story he told about going to a meeting of Elvis fans and how, um, how, how much of an Elvis fan he was and before the, the meeting was over? They were engaged in a worship service of Elvis. That's pretty much of a creeping thing, if you ask me. You know? <clears throat> How can people be so foolish? How can they be so absolutely insane? Because their foolish hearts are darkened. Because they rejected this God. That, that's the first result. And then... 
notice in verse 25, I thought was kind of really neat. Um, who exchange the truth of God for a lie. They don't like the truth, and so they substitute a lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's as if Paul is overwhelmed, even as he mentions the transcendence and the glory of this creator, that just for a moment he is overwhelmed and he pauses to praise God and, and states this God is to be blessed forever. It's almost like there's this just little ray of light in the midst of all this darkness because Paul just being just being reminded of the of the real creator is carried away for a moment. He was blessed forever. Amen. And then he returns to his subject. They make their own gods. They make creeping things. And they adopt a lie in the place of the truth. And then in verses 26 and 27, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. This is another result of suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Um, they exchange the beautiful for the vile. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, some of you find it very difficult to read the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon has been really mistreated in the in the uh, in the evangelical world. We've talked about that bride being uh, the church and uh, one pursuing the bride being Jesus. That's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. The book of the Song of Celebration is the celebration of the purity of marital sex. That's what it is. It's a celebration of the beauty of marital sex. But when you exchange the truth of God for a lie, you also exchange the beautiful for the vile. You exchange design for perversion. You exchange the normal for the abnormal. And what's so absolutely mind-boggling, look at verse 32 with me. Um, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. They exchange the, the, the normal for the abnormal the, the, the beautiful for the perverse, and then they define it as natural. And then they set out to convince others to be involved and approve them of doing it too. They become evangelistic in their perversion. Deliberately ignoring the knowledge of judgment of sin on them. They not only make beasts of themselves, but they uh, try to expand their bestiality and bring others in. Back up to, at um, verse 29. Um, let me read verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. There's that. I'll get to that in a minute. To, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetous, etc. My point is, all that list that you get there, ladies and gentlemen, of all those horrible things that we would all conclude are horrible. They're the product 
of suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Um, all of that, ladies and gentlemen, is the result of dismissing God. Um, this culture is not going to get away. It's not going to dismiss this God with impunity, ladies and gentlemen. One of the, one of the terms in this passage that is absolutely stunning to me is that God gives them over to a debased mind. A debased mind. You know, not only is their, is their conduct hideous, but now their minds are debased. Again, all the product of verse 18a, taking the truth of God which was made it, which was revealed to them and suppressing that truth and unrighteousness. And then quickly, and what does God say about all this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know what he says. He says it three times. He says it in verse 24. He says it in verse 26. And he says it in verse 28. Therefore, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you understand, do you not, that if you're studying the Bible and you find the word therefore, then what you're supposed to do is ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Because what, what, what is taking place here is that this is a conclusion of an argument. This is a conclusion of things gone, in, gone before. Having listed all this product of suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, this is how God responds. Therefore, God gave them up. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. They abandoned God, and he abandoned them. It is a picture of sin given a free reign. Now, ladies and gentlemen, may I try to point out that men are not all equally foul. But men outside of Christ do equally fail to glorify this God. But some of their behaviors might be different. But you need to know this. One of the principles of the Bible is this. Is that God says... You like your sin? Fine. Have a gut full. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the punishments of sin is more sin. You've heard me say this, that God will grease the skids or the tracks in the direction that you choose to go. You want to be righteous and Christ-like, he will assist you in your so doing. The Holy Spirit of God will cooperate in that pursuit of holy things. But if you want to run, he'll help you. He will grease the skids as you run as fast as you can from him. You like sin? Fine. 
here. Have as much as you like. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, I want you to know that pastorally, I think, and uh, I, I don't, I don't much think that anywhere in in science or medicine that I could be convinced that this is wrong. But I'm telling you, pastorally speaking, to call alcoholism, to call it a sickness, is cruel. It's cruel to call it a sickness. It's cruel, ladies and gentlemen, because there's no pills for it. And if you hadn't got a pill for it, well, then medicine can't help you much. But my point is this. Alcoholism does become very physical. It becomes something that is a biological and physical problem. A absolutely. But it doesn't start that way. It starts as a series of choices. It starts when I said, well, you know, I'm not having much meaning in life. I better find my meaning on the heels and the wings of a feel-good drug. And so there it starts. And then, if that's the path I choose, God says, you like that? Here, have more. And, and I'm not denying the fact, ladies and gentlemen, that there comes a state in the alcoholic's life or the drug addict's life where his body is now his biggest enemy. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm simply saying it doesn't start like that. It starts when people say, the truth of God is not what I want. And they suppress that truth in unrighteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest commentary the greatest commentary on this passage, the greatest proof for its truth, is the world as you know it today. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have enough metal detectors to go around. And I don't care how many metal detectors you put in the public schools, you'll not avoid another Columbine or Paducah or Jonesboro or Pearl because the issue is not metal detectors. Um, I read something. Um, I forget exactly where the, the conversation, who the conversation was between, but it was, um, I want to say it was in, a, in a, a column. Is it Will Durant that, that is the columnist in the Commercial Appeal and writes, is that his name, Will Durant? I think it's, that's where I found it. But he had asked somebody about the state of the culture. And even the presidential candidates are talking about now morality being the big presidential theme. And um, somebody was asked, when did the culture turn sour or vile, whatever, however he asked it. And his response was, <laughs> his response was this. When? I can tell you when. It turned when Lyle reloaded. You know what he's saying? You remember the big trial three or four years ago when the, when the two twin brothers, I think their name was Menendez, and they killed their, their parents? And um, you do know, don't you, that he emptied a shotgun. I don't know if it was both parents or just one parent. But it wasn't enough. Do you know that he reloaded? He went back and got more. Because he wanted to pump some more shells into them. When the, according to Will Durant, when Lyle reloaded, 
It was long before that, ladies and gentlemen. It's when the culture decided that they could take the truth of God and suppress it in righteousness and get away with it. There's not enough metal detectors to go around, ladies and gentlemen. It'll stop nothing. It might slow it down. Hopefully it will. But they can't put metal detectors in the parking lots. And a metal detector can't detect the status of a heart. I close with this, ladies and gentlemen. Go back with me to verses 16 and 17. May I read those to you again? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Thank God for verses 16 and 17. Because the solution to verses 18 through 32 are to be found in verses 16 and 17. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that I think is the challenge before us is why it is not why why it is that we are not pursuing with passion the millions who are adequately described or partially described in verses 18 through 32 with the message that is found in verses 16 and 17. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that is our only hope for this culture or any of us individually is the righteousness of God revealed in Christ laid hold of by faith. Let's quit. Our Father, the reason that we did not suppress the truth is because you in kindness and sovereign grace saw fit to open our eyes that we might see the path on which we found ourselves. We saw it as vile. We saw it as leading to destruction. We saw it as being our worst enemy. And then someone whispered into our ear that sweet name of Jesus Christ by whom sin has been paid and it is our abject delight that he is now no longer the one who judges us but the one who redeems us our father uh, forgive us that though we see such a dark picture of culture described here in this passage that our our response is not to be one of anger, it is to be one of overwhelming concern because we have found what is better. We have found what is better in Christ and consequently life is so much sweeter. It is not free from difficulty but it is so much sweeter, it makes so much more sense. It is the truth that has set us free, and, and we love it, O oh God. We, were there not, not a heaven, were there not a hell, 
we would still long to live this life because it is so much better. But there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we pray, O oh God, that you will not allow us rest until we are engaged in somehow showing men that what they have hold of is a lie. The same lie that we held on to. And it would be our privilege, O oh God, to introduce them to the God in whom we have found forgiveness. The God who provided from front to back a gospel that is perfectly suited to a sinner's need. For that, O oh God, we are everlastingly grateful. And let our lives reflect that gratitude as we try to flesh out um, the beauty that we have found in Christ. Lord, as we head to the holidays now, I pray that you will uh, arm us to take advantage of these situations that to present themselves, but also, oh God, might we not miss out uh, in, the, in all the money that we're going to be spending and all the credit cards that we'll be using. Uh, I pray that you will prevent us from missing something genuinely spiritual from taking place in our lives. We ask it all in the name of Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll resume um, Romans 2 on January the 5th.